It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Well, welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Daily Thunder. And if, if you're watching the video version, you actually see behind me, I'm actually my what I call my Israel room. It's my guest room in my house. But it has some of my fun little uh, Israel artifacts and little treasures that I found on some of the trips that I've gone on to Israel as we've taken students over there and just explored and studied the Word of God on location. But it's interesting that as I was preparing for this Daily Thunder, I was just pondering, okay, God, what is it that I should share? And and I was actually thinking about the trip because a week, about a week from now, I was actually supposed to be taking and leading a trip to Israel. And obviously because of all the craziness, <laughs> that trip was canceled. But I was just freshly pondering the land and just the profundity of seeing Jesus in the land of Israel. And of course, I was I came into my room here and it was just kind of looking at some of these fun treasures and just pondering this idea of just Jesus all throughout the Holy Land. Well, this week I've been reading through the book of Joshua and I just wanted to share a little insight with you just in terms of this idea of the land and the people and just the profundity of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, today I was reading in Joshua and I came to Joshua chapter 12. Joshua chapter 12 is rather fascinating because as it starts in verse 9, it starts listing the different kingdoms that Joshua and the Israelites conquered as they came into the land. And of course, in verse 9, it says it started off with the king of Jericho, then the king of Ai, and the king of Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, and Hebron, and Jarmuth, and Lachish, and Eglon, and Gezer, and, and it just starts going down to this long list. But as you come to verse 24, it makes an interesting statement. It kind of gives the totality of this whole thing. And it says in verse 24, 31 kings in all. And I want to give you this thought. And of course, if you've been around the Ellerslie world, you've probably heard us talk about this at some point. But there's this great concept that that while everything in the Old Testament actually literally happened, I mean, it's true. I mean, Jonah did get swallowed by a big fish. I mean, that is historically true. But what's amazing is as you look at the Old Testament, it's not just that it's historically accurate, because it is. It's amazing. But there's also this beautiful undercurrent or as picture of the life that we are now to live. Or maybe if I could say it this way, what's happening in the physical, in the Old Testament, is now to happen here in our lives, in the spiritual, in the New Covenant. And one of the greatest pictures in my mind of that is looking at this, leaving Egypt, going into the wilderness, and then entering into the promised land. And of course, you know the story well, but Moses comes and goes up to Pharaoh and says, hey, Pharaoh, let my people go. And of course, you know, Pharaoh hums and haws. And of course, over the course of these 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally decides to let the Israelites leave. Now, what was the key to the Israelites leaving Egypt? Isn't it fascinating? It was the blood of a lamb on that Passover night. Now, that's not by accident. And what's amazing is you look at this symbol of Egypt. Now, again, it's all literal. This actually did take place. But it's interesting in the Old Testament, Egypt becomes a symbol of something. It actually becomes a picture of slavery. It becomes a picture of sin. In fact, it's interesting as you as you read some of the prophets of the Old Testament, you find that they they constantly reference Egypt. And it's not Egypt the country as much as what it symbolizes. And again, it's this idea of slavery and sin and that, that tyranny of the flesh. Well, just as the Israelites got to leave Egypt by the blood of a lamb, well, how is it that you and I in this new reality, this new covenant, 
get to escape the Egypt, quote-unquote, of sin and flesh? Well, by the exact same way. It's by the blood of a lamb. His name is Jesus. I love the book of Hebrews. And of course, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was that spotless, perfect lamb and our sacrifice. So just as the Israelites got to leave Egypt by the blood of the lamb, so too you and I are freed from the tyranny and bondage of sin by the blood of a lamb. Now, the very next place that the Israelites go to is the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is not bad and mean and evil, but again, it's not pleasant either. And of course, everyone has to go through the wilderness. The only way to go from Egypt into the promised land is you have to go through the wilderness. In fact, it's about a, you know, less than a, you know, it's like a 10-day, two-week journey from Egypt to the promised land. Well, it's interesting that, of course, the Israelites get to the border of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. And, of course, they go and spy out the land and they reject God's promise for entering into the land. And the reason they reject God's promise is because they actually saw the giants and the nations of the land and they were too afraid to enter in. And so rather than believe and have faith in their God, they chose to have more confidence in their flesh. And of course, God said, well, for every day that you spied out the land, I'm going to have you wander in the wilderness for a whole year. So for 40 solid years, they wandered in the wilderness. And of course, you know, they went over here and camped for a little while and they went over here and camped for a little while. And after 40 years, that entire generation died out. Uh, it's an unknown quote, but I love the quote. It said it took 40 hours to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. I think it's a great perspective. See, the wilderness really is a phenomenal symbolic picture of the proving ground of our faith. Are you going to actually live by faith and trust in your God to live as a Christian? And just as the Israelites had to go through that wilderness season, so too you and I have to go through a wilderness season. <laughs> now, again, it shouldn't be 40 years. In fact, it should just be merely, you know, we get saved by the blood of the lamb. We go through this proving season and really it's, it's supposed to be short. The wilderness is miserable. It's, it's a desert. And the reason it's miserable is because you're not supposed to live there. And yet what most of the modern church has done is it's like it's it's camped out in the wilderness. Now, God does great things in the wilderness. I'm not downplaying that. I mean, hey, they had, you know, manna and they had quail in the bush and their shoes didn't wear out, which I'm sure drove the women crazy because they, they couldn't go shopping, right? <laughs> okay, bad joke. But, you know, the, the clothes didn't wear out and their shoes were great and, and hey, water from the rock and that kind of stuff. So it's not that God doesn't do stuff. It's just you and I weren't made for the wilderness. In fact, of course, if you remember the stories, the, the declaration over and over and over again by the Israelites were, you know what? This is miserable. Can, can we go back to Egypt? Because at least there we had the leeks and the onions, which, by the way, doesn't even sound that good. But apparently the leeks and the onions of Egypt were far superior to the misery of the, of, of the wilderness. Why? Because again, the wilderness is a desert and you and I were not made for the desert. We were not made. Now we have to go through the desert, but we're not made for this wilderness season. Now it's amazing that, that here, here Moses dies on Mount Nebo and Joshua at the very beginning of the book of Joshua is about to come into the promised land. They cross the Jordan, which I want to talk about at some point in a future episode, because it is one of the most phenomenal stories. I, it is such a great picture of Jesus, but they cross over the Jordan and the very first nation they must 
deal with is this place called Jericho. Now, isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament, the promise was the promise of land. But in the New Covenant, the promise that is given over and over and over again in the, in the Gospels is the promise, what Jesus says, the promise of the Father referring to the Holy Spirit. Again, all of us are born into Egypt, at this place of bondage and slavery. Well, how do we get out of that? Well, by the blood of the Lamb. Well, then what's the next place we go to? The wilderness. It's a place of testing and trials. It's, it's a testing of our faith. Why? So that we can actually enter into the place that we were made for, which is the promised land. Now, again, just as the Israelites entered into a physical promised land in the Old Testament, you and I have a promised land that you and I are to live in right this very moment. It's called the Christ life. It's the spirit-filled life. It's the reality. It's the Christian life. It's interesting, a lot of our Southern Gospel songs <laughs> have kind of given us a bad picture of this. Because the idea is, well, that when we cross the Jordan River, speaking of our death, then, whoo, praise the Lord, we'll have entered into the promised land. But that's actually not true biblically. You and I are supposed to live in the promised land right now. That if you and I are Christians, we were not made for the desert. We're made for the promised land. And again, we, you and I get to partake of the promise, not of land, but of the spirit of God, which is absolutely phenomenal. But look at what happens to the Israelites when they enter into the promised land. Again, what's happening in the physical of the Old Testament is to happen in the spiritual reality of our life now. So here they are, they enter into the promised land. And you would think that the moment they entered into the promised land, woo, things would be great. Things would be easy. I mean, rivers of just milk and honey. I mean, all that you would want. Woo, what could we ask for? But isn't it interesting? They enter the promised land and the very first thing they have to deal with is this nation called Jericho. That these had these huge massive walls and it's intimidating. And well, why did they have to deal with Jericho? Why, why did they even have to deal with these hostile nations? Well, it's because someone has planted themselves there and they now must be dealt with. I, I love this thought. You recognize at the moment that we come to Jesus, it's not like life becomes super easy. Maybe if anything, it becomes more difficult. And of course, the modern gospel is like, come to Jesus, you know, and there'll be bunny rabbits and sunflowers and skittles falling from the sky and everything will be just great and hunky-dory. But the reality is, is that the Christian life is actually difficult. And that's actually a good thing, by the way, uh, at least to a level. But as I, as I embrace Jesus, again, the blood of the lamb, and I go through this wilderness season and I enter into the promised land, do you recognize that according to Joshua chapter 12, verse 24, there were 31 hostile empires that had to be dealt with. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the moment that you allow Jesus, the moment, the moment you put your faith in Christ Jesus and he becomes Lord of your life, do you recognize that the moment that Jesus sits upon the throne of your life, it's like there's all these realities of the flesh that rise up and say, no, we will not let him sit there. And it's interesting that even in the promised land, there are all these aspects, these hostile nations that must be dealt with. That for, for Joshua, there were 31 hostile empires in the land of promise that they had to deal with. And I don't know what it is in, in the Christian life, but do you realize that there are things that God has to get a hold of, that God has to bring down, that God has to destroy in your life? For example, pride and lust and jealousy and fear and greed and you start, say, say you go through the Galatians chapter five, the fruits of the flesh. 
right? The, the, the works of the flesh are evident, says Paul. You realize that those are these hostile empires that must be dealt with in your life. And again, I don't know what it is that you're dealing with, but can I freshly encourage you to go after Jesus and let him begin to deal with these hostile empires of your soul? See, we're in the middle of the spring season, and, and I don't know about you, but Colorado has some great weather these couple of days. Today's, a, I mean, today's beautiful. And wouldn't it be interesting that rather than just, you know, cleaning the house and say, ooh, we're, we're spring cleaning during this quarantine season, why don't we let Jesus kind of come in and do a spring cleaning in our hearts? Would you, would you let the Holy Spirit come in and, and literally reveal anything in your life that should not be there? Is there any impurity? Is there any greed? Is there any fear? Is there any fretting? <laughs> is there any jealousy? Is there any foreboding? Is there any... So what is it that is going on that he needs to deal with in your life? What is it that there, there are these works of the flesh that must be removed? You realize that you are to live by the Spirit and your life is to be marked by the Spirit of God. In fact, go back to that Galatians 5 passage and keep reading on. You'll, you'll hear the works or the fruits of the Spirit. So what should be evident in our life? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, these should be evident in our life. This is the evidence. This is that rivers are flowing of milk and honey kind of stuff. That the, the, the fruit of the land should be immense coming out of our life. And that there shouldn't be the works of the flesh. There shouldn't be the works of the enemy still reigning and dwelling in our life as believers. You have the privilege of living in the land of promise called Christianity. It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual one, which actually makes it a little bit better in a lot of ways. Because it doesn't matter where on earth you're living at this very moment, you realize that you could be in the land of promise, the place where the Spirit of God is easily reigning and controlling. The question is, has he dealt with the 31 hostile empires to your soul. And maybe you said, well, yeah, yeah, he's he's already dealt with the 31 hostile empires in my life. Would you freshly throw yourself at the foot of the cross and say, God, would you examine every thought, every attitude, every word, every action in my life? And if there's any, just even a shimmer of the flesh in my life, would you, would you, would you remove it from my life? Would you allow me, enable me to walk in obedience to your word? Because it is amazing that even after they dealt with these 31 hostile empires, seems like they kept coming back and they had it kept being dealt with. So can I just encourage you, even if you've already dealt, even if God's done a death blow to the 31 hostile fleshly empires in your life, would you allow God, don't live in arrogance. Don't say, well, I've, I've done that. I'm good to go. Would you come in humility to the spirit of God and say, God, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way within my life. And allow him to fully just deepen and transform and shape you more into the man or the woman of God that you are called to be as a Christian. Well, I hope that's just an encouragement to you, to you to press into the word of God, for you to press into the reality of Jesus Christ and let Jesus do a little spring cleaning in your soul in this season. Well, no, I'm praying for you and I'm cheering you on. And I hope you have a great Tuesday. God's blessings. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. 
Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.